Welcome back to The Family Plug, a podcast to improve quality and standards of individual and family life. I'm your host, Dr. Lowe. I want to thank you for joining me today for this discussion on love and relationship development. I wanted to have this discussion today because my last couple of episodes, I've catered a great deal to individuals who are in married relationships. And so today I've got something for the single and the unmarried. So if you would like to learn more about how love develops in relationships, about the factors that are impacting relationship development, and maybe some of the challenges that are common in the context of dating relationships, then don't go anywhere. Stay right there. I've got the plug for you. The period of early adulthood is a time that is very common for many of us to start exploring the possibility of forming relationships. And not just any relationship, but relationships that combine emotional closeness, shared interest, a shared vision of the future perhaps. And so we tend to sometimes undergo a process to choose a partner to share those experiences with. And at the same time, each of us has certain resources that determine our own marketability for those relationships. So let's talk about kind of this relationship marketplace, how this mate selection process works. Let's think for a moment about the law of attraction. What leads you to be attracted to another individual? Think for a moment about the characteristics that you find important when you are selecting a potential partner or someone in the context of a dating relationship. What we may come to find is that oftentimes our decisions are impacted by a number of factors. And those factors can be psychological, social, cultural. So as an example, uh, perhaps you identify with a specific parent and you select a partner that's similar to the selection that that parent made. So in my case, for example, um, everyone always says that my husband and my father have a lot of similarities. So this would be what's referred to as role theory of mate selection. And believe it or not, that is a psychological factor that is impacting relationship development. Um, Another example might be maybe that you focus on finding a partner who offers the greatest reward at the lowest cost. So there is a level of exchange that is the emphasis of your mate selection process. Or perhaps you have a tendency to select mates whose needs are opposite and complementary to your own needs. This is known as opposites attract or a complementary needs approach to mate selection. 
Now, while all of these hold some truth and can be very common, what we'll find is most common is that we have a tendency to look for homogamy in relationships. And by homogamy, I'm referring to our tendency to select a partner with similar characteristics or someone from a similar background. Research suggests that homogamous relationships are actually a lot more successful than not. Um, and primarily because you have so many things in common. You have similarities in terms of race, age, intelligence, even physical appearance. Because we tend to seek others about as attractive or as intelligent as we perceive ourselves to be. So if you've ever seen a couple that kind of looks alike, <laughs> that's not necessarily by coincidence. Additionally, we may have similarities or commonalities in terms of our career trajectories, our marital status. So you are a single person that wants to be in relationship with another single person. So <laughs> stay away from the married men and the women. Mm -hmm. um, similarities in terms of religion, spirituality, our views on politics, our personalities, even our social class. Although social class can oftentimes kind of be orchestrated by factors that are out of our control. But generally, when we search for a partner that has similarities in terms of all of these factors or someone that kind of matches our value system, then we kind of set ourselves up for the likelihood of having a successful dating relationship that may eventually blossom into something much more. The mate selection process leads us to selecting a potential partner. But then once we've selected the individual that we perhaps have some level of interest in, then what is the next stage? Typically, our relationship begins to develop and to grow into something greater, something very fulfilling. And oftentimes, it can grow into love. And so let's talk a little bit about the way in which love tends to develop in relationships. So I'd like to share with you this concept by Ira Reese called the wheel theory of love. And it describes love as an ongoing process that unfolds in four different stages. The first stage is rapport. And this is when there's some level of mutual understanding and um, mutual feelings in a partnership. And homogamy is really important to establishing rapport as well because oftentimes it's a lot easier for us to establish rapport when we have things in common with another individual. So for instance, if you come from a similar social or cultural background, then you may have similar experiences, which is going to increase your level of comfortability in that relationship. The next stage is self-revelation. So the greater rapport couples feel, the more likely they are to develop trust. And when you begin to develop trust, oftentimes you begin to self-disclose or to share intimate thoughts and feelings. And then that level of sharing um, becomes mutual on both ends of the relationship. Mutual dependency is the next stage. So the rapport and the self-revelation in the relationship would lead you to kind of leaning or needing the other person to some degree. You share your pleasures, your fears, and you become confidants. 
The fourth stage is personality need fulfillment. And this is fulfillment of your intimacy needs. And again, intimacy doesn't always have to be sex, but it can be emotional closeness that begins to deepen your rapport, your level of self-revelation, as well as your mutual dependency. So the greater fulfillment of intimacy needs, the better off that relationship will be. Now, here is the funny thing about the wheel theory of love. The same factors that lead us to falling in love are oftentimes the same factors that would lead us to falling out of love. So this wheel theory of love also can work in the reverse. And when these different stages go unmet, then it can definitely lead to some challenges or maybe even the end of a dating relationship. I know in most cases, we really want the wheel theory of love to work in our favor. We want to be able to establish rapport and have self-revelation and mutual dependency and have all of our intimacy needs met. But any of us who have ever dated, we know that that does not always work. Um, so sometimes we run into some problems in dating. And some common problems that we have are destructive communication patterns, which kind of derails this whole wheel theory of love overall. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about communication patterns because I spent an entire episode on this podcast discussing uh, destructive communication patterns as well as principles of more effective communication. So if you haven't already, I'd encourage you to go listen to episode three, He Said, She Said. But what I will say is that communication impacts relationship satisfaction and cohesion. So if we don't communicate effectively, then we are going to experience problems in dating. Also, there may be uh, problems in terms of power or conflicts that challenge the fundamental assumptions or the rules of our relationships. Another common challenge in dating relationships is the experience of unrequited love, and that is love that's not returned. And I know that I've been there when you are in a relationship with somebody and you are giving it your all. You're doing everything that you know how to do and it's still not working out. Oftentimes, the attachment styles associated with unrequited love are going to lead to additional challenges. So perhaps you have a desire to have a romantic relationship with that specific person, regardless of how hopeless it appears to be. Or you have a misconception that that relationship is going to develop when it's really not. Or you just have a general desire to be in love, regardless of who it is that you love. So, you know, these are just the people that can't be alone. They can't be by themselves. You know, they just are in love with being in love. <laughs> um, but again, those attachment styles can lead to some challenges. And of course, the alternative to that is that that relationship ends in a breakup. It can be a challenge to maintain intimacy, passion, and commitment in relationships over time. When the problems persist or when a variety of problems plague a relationship, then oftentimes it can lead to a breakup. 
And we can attribute breakups or relationship failure to a number of things, maybe personal traits or characteristics or that of your partner. And let's be real, we always wanna believe it's the other person's fault. <laughs> but we should take accountability for whatever role that we may have played in that relationship coming to an end. It can be relational issues or a combination of things or environmental issues, whatever the case may be. Um, Sometimes relationships just don't work out. But breakups don't have to be a bad thing. Sometimes breakups can induce really positive changes. We can find power in our brokenness. And oftentimes, people who go through really painful breakups end up a lot stronger and a lot happier in the long run. As I come to a close, I would like to share a poem with you. And actually, this is an original poem that I wrote when I was probably in my early 20s and I had gone through a difficult relationship and had kind of gone through the process of falling out of love and just being really hurt as a result of that relationship coming to an end. And then I got through it and I got over it. And I got to a place where I got back to me and the fundamentals of the things that were really important in my life. And so I just want to share this in case there's anybody out there that may be going through something similar. Just as a disclaimer, you may not necessarily share my faith or my belief, um, but this is what worked for me. And so I'd like to share it with you. Love is such a strong word that evokes such great emotion. Those in dire need create elixirs and magic potions. Some will lie, steal, kill, betray, destroy, and deceive in the name of love at any cost to fulfill their need. Love is universal, reaching beyond class and color lines. Hearing is not essential, and it doesn't care that you are blind. Love can be felt from the valley or from the very top of the hill. There is enough to go around so you can give it with free will. Love doesn't claim to be perfect. It needs room to make mistakes. Sometimes it comes with disappointments, failures, and heartbreaks. But love that is true endures sadness and distress. For those that have difficulty showing it, it can easily be professed. Love is for the young and old and can last for a lifetime. Of all the love I've ever known, the love of Christ is at its prime. That is all we have time for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Family Plug, a podcast to improve quality and standards of individual and family life. I'm your host, Dr. Lowe, and I've got the plug for you. Remember to follow the show on Instagram at The Fan Plug and subscribe to join me for future episodes. Until next time, thank you for listening to The Family Plug. <laughs>